In Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to look at verses 1 through 3. Now, if, if you try to follow your notes, you're going to get discouraged because we're going to be going quite a few different places. So take that, put it in your Bible, praise the Lord, study it. It's for your benefit. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. There came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So this leper had no doubt of his ability to heal. Where he was falling short was, he didn't know whether it was God's will for him to be healed. Well, Jesus corrected his theology immediately in verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will, I will be thou clean. And the Bible says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And so I believe the same I am is saying I will tonight. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're going to see throughout this series, it's going to be absolutely uh, just pounded into our spirits on how many reasons it's God's will to heal. Amen? And so we looked at, at quite a bit of information last week, but we want to look tonight at about 19 cases of healing in the four Gospels, and at least 10 out of the 19 cases... Their faith, the individual's faith was mentioned in receiving their healing. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the individual, the individual's faith. And I, if I had to have a title for tonight's message, I would say on the way, at and after he left. On the way, at and after he left. And that will become very clear to you. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Uh, and we're going to look at several verses tonight which talk about faith. Amen. In Matthew first, chapter 5, verse 21, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship into the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is a sign of reverence. This is a sign of worship. He approached the master in a reverential and a very honorable way. How many of you know when you honor the Lord, he will honor you? And notice he fell at his feet and he besought him greatly saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Does it sound like to you tonight that Jairus believed that? Yes. Jairus did believe that. He was in faith. He knew that if the master would come to his house and lay hands upon his little daughter, that his little daughter would without a doubt be healed. Amen. And notice with me in verse 24. Now this is on the way to Jairus' house. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. Why were they following him? And why were they thronging him? Because they knew that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he is the healer. And there is nothing impossible with him. Amen. Amen? Amen. Now notice. 
on the way, a certain woman, verse 25, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. And she spent everything she had and she was nothing bettered. But what happened? She got worse. She got no better. She spent all of her money on different physicians and everything was gone. And she just kept getting worse and worse and worse. That is not a good thing. But oh, thank God when she heard of Jesus. Was it a good day when you heard of Jesus? Was it a good day when he rolled your burden away? When she heard of Jesus, she must have heard that he was doing something good. And that's what Jesus was doing. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed. Amen. God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Amen. Now notice in verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. People were following him. People were thronging him. People were trying to touch him. I'm sure in that crowd there was the touch of curiosity. Just like someone would try to touch the Pope or touch someone famous. I'm sure there was the the touch of curiosity and just, oh, you know, let's just see what we can do here. And notice, but she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. Here's a woman that had to go through the press. She was pressing. And when it comes to divine healing... Even though it is free, we must press through our feelings, sometimes press through our schedules, press through our distractions, so we can get to a place where we can be healed by the power of God. For she said, so this is her faith speaking. What you say is your faith speaking. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Man, that's positive. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, all of my sickness, all of my disease will be a thing of the past. I shall be whole. There shall be nothing missing. There shall be nothing broken in my life. Verse 29. And straightway, straightway, is a beautiful old English word for right away or immediately. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. It's a good thing to feel in your body that you're healed. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself... He knew someone had placed a demand on the power of God that he was carrying in his life. And Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Luke said it this way, Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Aren't you glad that there are no nobodies in the kingdom of God? There are no nobodies in the eyes of Jesus. Everyone is precious. Everyone is special. And he knew in his own life, in his own body, that someone had touched him. Amen. 
And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging thee, and how do you say who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Now notice what the woman did. But the woman, fearing and trembling, she wasn't fearful of him, she had a reverential awe of him. Why was she trembling? She was probably shaking under the power of God. So this reverential fear and the power of God working in her life caused her to tremble, knowing what was done in her, fell down before him and told him all the truth. She fell down before the master and I'm sure she began to worship him and then she had a testimony service right there. Now notice with me in verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, my faith has made you whole. You caught me. Let's read it together. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Let there be nothing missing or nothing broken in your life and be whole of your plague. Now it's very important to see this. This is not Jesus' faith that healed her. Jesus himself said, daughter, your faith has healed you. What did her faith do? Her faith gave action to the power of God that was on Jesus and in Jesus and released it. And I got good news for you. Faith has not been done away with. If her faith would make her whole, your faith will make you whole. And if your faith can make you whole, if you're sick, once you get healed, your faith can keep you whole. To where you become the one with the power of God, where people are reaching out to touch the hem of your garment. You know, the Bible is very clear in 3 John 2. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and that you may be in health even as your soul prospers. Being in health is not being sick and then getting healed. Being in health is living in a continuous state where the life of God is quickening you and the Spirit of God on the inside of you is causing His health and His strength just to continuously move throughout your life. That's God's will. But if a person is sick, their faith will make them whole. And, you know, it almost seems like this even shouldn't be said in a church like this because we've preached faith for 37 years. But a lot of people have this idea, oh man, I wish I had faith so I could be whole. If you're a born again believer, you already have faith. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans, the 12th chapter, the third verse. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, read the rest with me, 
according as God has dealt to every man, and he's speaking to the church at Rome. Amen? Amen. Well, we're the church in the Bay Area. Right. And what belongs to the church in Rome belongs to the church in the Bay Area. Yeah. So what this is saying, that if you're a born-again believer, God has dealt to you the measure of faith. Every one of us have faith so that we can believe and we can receive from our Father. Amen. Say this with me. I have the measure, have the measure. of mountain-moving faith. Mountain now, your faith is like a muscle. You know, if you don't do anything with your muscles, what happens to them? They get flabby and they get weak. But if you take time to develop your muscles, they can get a little stronger. I mean, look at me, for heaven's sake. Rocky Bilboa. Not really. But faith is like a muscle. It's like a muscle. And so you can develop your faith to the point where you can believe God and your faith will make you whole. And your faith will keep you whole. Now, don't wait until something big comes along to use your faith. Use your faith right now. Use your faith on a toothache. Use your faith on a, you know, an ingrown toenail or something. Use your faith every day. Find something to use your faith on. Find somewhere where you can apply your faith to your individual life. Because if your faith will make you whole, your faith will do other things for you. Your faith will cause your mind to stay strong. Your faith will cause you to be stable in an unstable world. But again here, Jesus said to her, Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. What kind of faith? She had faith in God. Faith in the Word. Faith in the power of God. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, are you saying... That my faith can make me whole? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is what Jesus said. That your faith will make you whole. So, he's on the way to Jairus' house. And on the way to Jairus' house, he had a revival. And this woman went away totally and completely healed. Amen. Now notice in verse 35. While he yet spake... There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? How many of you know sometimes things can get worse before they get better? This is not a good report. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid only believe. Why did he say that? Because he knew that if he yielded to fear, fear would stop his faith. And so he said, Jairus, we've started on this journey. Now be not afraid. Stop the fear and only believe. Evidently, Jairus took his advice. You know, Sometimes one of the best ways 
to not demonstrate fear is to shut your mouth and just keep following Jesus. Yes, sir. Be not afraid. I believe. Amen. Verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw the tumult. Now these folks were tumulting. I mean, they were upset. They were grieving. They already had that little girl in the ground. In those days, they would have a group of people when something like that happened come and they would sing sad songs. And this grief would just charge the very atmosphere. You've got to be very aware of grief because grief, like fear, can stop the flow of faith and stop the flow of the power of God. That's interesting. Jesus only brought three with him. The tumult was there. And them that wept and wailed greatly. I've been in some of those funerals where there's weeping and wailing and it's greatly weeping and wailing. Well, we don't ever want to minimize the fact that people are hurting at a funeral. But you know, if a person knows Jesus and they've run the race, instead of weeping and wailing, there ought to be some shouting and rejoicing. I've been in those funerals too. We don't want to go there. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make you this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but what's she doing? She's only sleeping. Jesus knew she was dead. But Jesus was calling those things which be not as though they were. Jesus says the damsel is not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. Who do you think you are? Faith man. How can you make such a bold declaration? Some of you have relatives that have laughed at you. Some of you have had people on the job laugh at you. Let them keep laughing. Let them laugh and keep laughing, but you make sure you keep loving. Amen. Amen. Did you get that? Don't let their laughter drive you down the road of strife with them. Amen. Let, your laugh, let their laughter press you into the love of God. Amen. So they're laughing Jesus to scorn. They're laughing at him. They're laughing at some faith preachers today. They're scorning faith preachers that fly around in jets. They're scorning people like Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland and folks like that that have jets that take them to do the will of God and to fulfill the plan of God upon their life. They're scorning them. You know, a jet to Kenneth Copeland is like a building to us here at Heart of the Bay. It's nothing more and it's nothing less than a tool to fulfill the call of God. So anyway, they're laughing him to scorn. 
But here's what Jesus did when he had put them all out. (laughs) You know, you can put people on the outside and still love them. You know, they're in there in the living room laughing and scorning and say, Do you know, I smell something outside. There's barbecue outside. Why don't you all head outside? The point is, he got rid of the doubt. He got rid of the unbelief because he knew something that they didn't know. They laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him And he entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand. And he said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway, and immediately, the damsel arose. And she walked. She was of the age of 12 years old. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Verse 43. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. We're talking about the individual's faith. The woman with the issue of blood had faith. Jairus had faith. Now, let's go over to Mark chapter 9. And notice this with me. This is the same account, but uh, the uh, Mark just doesn't record it. So let's take a look at this in Matthew chapter 9 and verses 27 through 30. Matthew 9, 27 says this. And when Jesus departed thence, that he left Jairus' house, two blind men followed him crying and said, Thou son of David have what? Have mercy on Don't you know when you cry out and you call out for the mercy of God, you'll get his attention? As I said last week, if you get F.F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer, and you read that chapter on the Lord's compassion, it'll stir you up to see how compassionate he was and how that you and I can flow in the same compassion. So powerful. Have mercy on us. Another word for mercy is compassion. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. It was two blind men. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and he said, according to my faith, be it unto you. According to whose faith? According to your faith, be it unto you. They must have had faith. Jesus said, you're going to receive in direct proportion to what you believe. Notice with me the next verse. And their eyes were open. Oh, don't you know it's a good day when the eyes of the blind open up. And their eyes were open. And Jesus straightly charged them saying, See that no man know it. In all of these cases, their faith prevailed. It was the individual's faith. Now let's look at another one. Go over to Mark chapter 10. 
Mark the 10th chapter. We're just going to keep driving this point tonight. Amen? Is that all right? Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. He was in rough shape. He was blind. He couldn't work. He had to beg. And so he he sat by the wayside and by the highway begging. You know, there's a lot of people on the highways of life right now. And they may not be begging, but they're hurting. They feel like they're stuck inside a diseased body. They feel like they're stuck inside the mental torment and the depression that is coming against their souls. They're by the highway and they're hurting. And that's part of our vision here. And that's why we do services like this. Because we are called to heal those that are hurting. Not all hurting people know how to take hold of the power of God. Not all hurting people know how to receive. But oh, we can get the power to them. And when the power goes into their lives and heals their body, then we can teach them, we can instruct them, so they can develop in their faith and they can keep their healing. They're by the highway. He sat by the highway side and he was... He was begging. Alms for the poor. And when he heard that it was Jesus, everyone say Jesus. Jesus. Again, he began to cry out. And he said, Jesus. Jesus. Thou son of David. Have mercy on me. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer for themselves? I have prayed it for myself. And I'm going to tell you that His mercy has seen me through. His mercy has healed me. His mercy has kept me. His compassion will heal you. It will keep you. Jesus. Well, I don't deserve my healing. I I lived a rough life. I I was real tough in the past. If any man be in Christ. If any man be in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. God doesn't remember our past. We shouldn't remember it either. We should not live under a cloud of condemnation by what we used to be. We should live under a cloud of glory declaring who we are now. Hallelujah. And many people have been cheated out of their healing because of condemnation. I don't deserve it. I got good news. I got news for you. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve it in the flesh. But because the blood was shed, because the word of God is alive, and because Jesus is good, and because he's full of compassion, every one of us are in position to receive healing because his mercy endures forever. Come on, everybody say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm drinking water because I had Chinese food for lunch. 
It's easy for your tongue to get thick when you eat Chinese food. Mercy. I said mercy. Mercy. And you know what else we can do? We can cry out for mercy on behalf of people that don't know how to get it. I'm crying out for mercy for the USA. I'm crying out for mercy for the city of San Francisco. I am not going to be moved by politicians. I'm not going to be moved by people that talk ill about the word and have a mindset of the world. I'm not going to criticize them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to cry out. I'm going to call out for mercy. I'm going to pray for late rain and the time of the latter rain so that their lives can be changed. Hallelujah. Like Mario said, good preaching, Mario. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. You know what hold your peace is, is shut up. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he was not going to be denied. That's the kind of attitude you've got to have. If anybody's going to get the healing, it's going to be moi. I'm going to get it. I'm going to receive it. It's mine. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called for the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And in verse 50, as in he cast away his garment, he had beggar's garments on. Him casting away his garment and getting up on his feet was a way of blind Bartimaeus saying, I'm done with this life. I'm done with this begging. I'm done living here on the highway side begging for a morsel of food. I'm done with it. That's the kind of attitude we have to have. I'm done with this thing. It's over with. Amen. Verse 51, and Jesus answered and said unto him, what do you want? What do you want? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Verse 52, read it with me. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Immediately. Immediately. He received his sight. Oh, hallelujah. Now you'll notice in your notes that I listed ten there. And what I want you to do is I want you to go through those. And I want you to rehearse those. And I want you to be able to see very clearly... 
that the individual's faith was absolutely a key ingredient for them to receive. Turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said this. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, verse 1 of chapter 2, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and His crucified. Verse 3. And I was with you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but my speech and my preaching, what was it in? It was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. May that be so in your life. May that be so in your witness. That we do not try to impress people with our high knowledge of faith, but we simply come in humility and demonstrate the power of God. Now notice here in verse 5, this is important. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but your faith... Be in the power of God. Say it with me. My faith is not in the wisdom of men, but my faith is in the very power of God. We can teach people to activate the power of God with their faith. There's a switch in the realm of the Spirit. When you come into this building and you want to get lights on in this auditorium because it gets very dark in here you've got to go where the switch is and the switch turns on the electricity without the switch even though electricity is everywhere present without the switch turned on electricity does not get activated and it's the same way with the power of God the power of God is everywhere present. He is omnipotent, which means he's all powerful, and he's everywhere. But power to heal and power to save must be activated. And faith is the switch. The switch of faith activates the power of God. Recognizing that power is everywhere present will never heal anybody until they turn the switch of faith on. And the switch of faith says this, I believe the power of God is present to heal me. And I say that the power of God is working in me right now. I have faith in the power of God. That's turning the switch on. Now, a lot of people lose their healing after they've been healed because of a counterattack. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in a lot of the 
uh, of the healing revivals back in the 40s and in the 50s when that healing revival was happening, a lot of people would get healing but lose it about six weeks later or about six months later. Because even though they were healed, they didn't know how to keep their healing. Being healed is great and it's awesome and it's beautiful. But learning how to keep your healing is a whole nother thing. Because the enemy comes. He's a thief. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. What are you saying, Pastor? I thought I, I, I thought I turned the switch of faith on. Yeah, you did. You believed, you received, and you got it. But once you got the switch, faith, the switch of faith turned on, you got to keep the switch on. I said you got to keep the switch on. Because the enemy will come with a counterattack. And he can bring a symptom back into your body and try to get you to believe, oh man, I guess I thought I got my healing. I guess I didn't because after all, I'm hurting again. So when the pain comes back or the symptom comes back, what you've got to do is take the word of God and resist that in Jesus name and say, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. I have believed I've received my healing. Matter of fact, I'm healed and I'm not going to lose it to you in the name of Jesus. Someone say this with me. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The individual's faith. It's so important. So important. And... When we have healing lines here and people come up for healing, it's extremely important that we don't just try out the preacher. You know, we just, oh, I, I know this brother's anointed, so I'm going I'm to go get me some healing because I know he's anointed. You see, the person can be anointed, but you've got to be able to receive the anointing and expect the anointing to go into your life and to heal you and to keep you whole. Amen. And uh, so, the individual's faith. So we looked at it. On the way to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue of blood showed up. Her faith made her whole. On the way to the house, the uh, daughter died and Jesus said, fear not, only believe. Jairus got raised up. uh, Jairus' daughter got rose from the dead. Amen. And then the two blind guys, they healed were healed by God's power. And then blind Bartimaeus. The individual's faith. Amen. Let's stand up, everybody.